If you've got a, a Bible this morning, I would encourage you to open to 1 Timothy, uh, right after Thessalonians, uh, just before 2 Timothy, as you might guess. Uh, but 1 Timothy chapter 6, we're going to be looking there in a few minutes. But uh, today really is about celebrating what God has done in the life of our church, uh, I would say since 1956. Uh, but over these last few years, just pointing our attention uh, to things that are worthy of celebration, the things that, that we should get excited about, uh, what the church is all about, of shining light in dark places by encouraging one another, by building up the body, by seeing lives change. And, and, and I'm always amazed by great accomplishments. Uh, and I'm kind of fascinated by world records. When I was a kid, they actually used to print, they still might, uh, the Guinness Book of World Records, they would print it. Uh, now things change so fast, you just look it up on the internet. Uh, but they would print it, so I would thumb through. But one of the great records of all time that I, I'm fascinated with, mostly because uh, I really like baseball. We've got some baseball players in our student ministry. Uh, but Ricky Henderson stole 1,406 bases during his baseball career. Uh, that is the all-time record. And the next closest person has 938. He has nearly 500 more stolen bases than the next guy a record that will never be broken because people don't steal bases at the rate that he stole them in the, in the 80s. And if you were old enough, like, you know, my age or older, uh, you recognize him. Uh, but 1,400 stolen bases. And if Ricky Henderson doesn't do it for you, you might know these five friends that went to that little school up in College Station. Uh, and, and they started making videos and all of a sudden, they just blew up and, and went crazy. They're called Dude Perfect. And, and they have 57 million subscribers on YouTube. And the fascinating thing about that is that they're millionaires. Over and over and over again, they're millionaires. But they, didn't, they don't even crack the top 10 in YouTube subscribers. They have 57 million people that watch their crazy cup videos and bottle flipping, and trick shots, and they don't even make the top 10. There's a music group, music channel from India, you know, helps when you have 1.2 billion people um, in your country to help you be number one. But these guys, or if, if you don't like baseball or crazy trick shots and people from A&M, how about Adele? What, what, a, what a great singer. She needs Jesus, but she's an amazing singer. Amazing singer. Like, if you don't like her music, we'll pray for you. Because she has just a beautiful voice. But she, a few years ago, uh, her album that came out called 25, because I think it came out when she was 25, uh, sold 3.3 million albums in one week, seven days. Beat the record by some little group called NSYNC, I think. Some of you older people know them. But Amazing. Like 3.3 million albums in seven days. But I think about other amazing feats like Bluetooth technology. Bluetooth, like we take it for granted today. Like, oh, I just put my AirPods in and connects to my phone. Or, oh, let me airdrop something to you. Get my computer, my phone, my headphones, and your smartphone all attached at the same time through radio waves. That didn't exist 15, 20 years ago. What, what an accomplishment for humanity. 
And because of where we live, we, we sometimes forget that, oh, by the way, what an amazing feat it is to take someone and put them in a giant ball of fire and send them to outer space so they can live there for six months. Like, what an amazing accomplishment. There, there are great things in life that, that, that are unbelievable. But I wonder how often we take a step back and realize how amazing, how, how so much more amazing the testimony of a changed life is over Ricky Henderson's stolen base record or Adele's billions of dollars that she has because her voice is amazing. Or that we can connect our wireless earphones to our phone. Life change is the feat among all feats to experience and to see how someone says yes to Jesus like we experience today. It would say being a person that falls headlong after our Savior who desires to make a difference not just for this moment but for every moment for eternity. And that's what Paul is writing to Timothy today about. He's finishing up this book. Paul is this older guy, you know, apostle, missionary, wrote a lot of the New Testament. He's writing a letter to a young guy, probably in his 20s or 30s, writing this letter, a young guy in ministry, and and encouraging him, challenging him, trying to lift his spirit to say, hey, you've got this. You're a man of God, but I want you to continue to do great things, to bring glory to our Heavenly Father. So look with me at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. And these things that he's talking about are the previous eight or nine verses about false teachers. All these people who are trying to lead others astray from the right and true gospel message of Jesus Christ. So flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Jesus Christ who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the command, commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which he will display at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in an unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. And then he closes this out with one final charge to a group of people that Timothy is connected to. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, 
to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. As Paul writes to Timothy, he tells him who he is. You're a man of God. What a a great title. What, What a great calling to be called a man of God, a woman of God. And the reality is each one of us whether you're in person or watching online, if you have a faith relationship with Jesus Christ, you're a man of God. You're a woman of God. That's the truth. You're a poor person born of God. And so you are a person of God to encourage him. And so let me encourage you today. Let us celebrate the faith relationship we have with Jesus Christ. Let us celebrate the goodness of God who loved us so much that he wasn't willing to let us spend eternity separated from him. He wasn't willing to let us go down the path that we were headed to of destruction, a life separated from him in hell forever. And so he rescued us so that we could be called a man of God, a woman of God. And we celebrate his goodness to us today. And then as we do that, as we celebrate the goodness of God, that, that he called us out of darkness into light, then may we live in a certain way. May we be characterized by certain features in our life, that we would be people who pursue righteousness, pursue godliness, pursue faith and love, that we live a life of steadfastness and gentleness. Paul uses this kind of three sets of two to to help Timothy understand what that man of God is really all about. What does it mean to be a man of God, a woman of God? It means to pursue righteousness, a right relationship with my heavenly father. Paul says in other places in the New Testament to be an imitator of God. Don't try to be God. That's what most of us want to do. We want to be God. We want to tell everyone else how to live life. But he says to be an imitator of God. And so to be a person of righteousness means I live my life devoted fully to the things of God, that I have a right relationship with him, that I'm full of faith, that I believe to see. I don't have to see to believe. Those are the eyes of faith that I believe so that my eyes may be opened. Our whole world right now is all about seeing to believe. And even if you're on social media, it's hard to believe what you see. Thanks to filters. It's hard to, hard to believe that. And so God calls us to, to believe so that we may see. We might have eyes of faith. It would people full of love. And so what does it mean to love one another? It means that I would lay my life down for you. That I would put my own agenda aside for the sake of you that I would listen to you, that I would encourage you, that I would draw you close to me and to my Savior, that I would love you well, that I would be a person of steadfastness, that I would be unwavering. James tells us that people who are double-minded, they kind of listen to the world and they get confused. And so they're like, like a boat tossed by the waves. No, he says, anchor yourself in the truth of the gospel that you may be unwavering. You ever watch tug of war? It's a fun thing to watch. Because all of us are hoping, secretly, 
especially if there's like a mud pit in the middle, that like the entire one team just ends up in it. Maybe you're not as demented as me, but that's my hope. Like that one team is so strong, they just, but, but that steadfast is what I think. Like I'm anchored in, I'm pulling, my feet are not moving. I'm not going anywhere. That's what God calls us to put our hope in Jesus Christ because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I can put my hope and trust and I can live that way. That I can be full of gentleness. I'm, I'm the calming presence in a moment. For some of us, that, that's a hard one. Maybe for some of you, that godliness and righteousness is your hard one. Maybe you struggle in your faith and you get tossed about, but calming presence. Are you a calming presence in the moment? Or are you escalating the circumstance? God calls us to be people of peace and calm. And so as you and I, as men and women of God, then our lives should be about holiness, love, and gentleness. That's what we should be about. The people of God are holy people. The people of God are loving people. The people of God are gentle people. That's what Paul is celebrating in Timothy's life in this moment. And when you and I can live out, when we can be those things, not do those things, we can be those things, God does amazing stuff. He shines light. We get to reflect his image to others. And we get to participate in the good fight, the good fight of faith. That's what he calls Timothy to do. And so I want to celebrate today some ways in which we as a people, in which you as people have stepped into the ring because that's where you fight is in a ring, not in a street. Don't get in a street fight, get in a ring if you're going to fight. I want, to, I want us to step into the ring together and celebrate those who have been fighting the good fight of faith, who've taken hold of eternal life and, and understand what it means to share that eternal life. And so I want to first celebrate a particular person who many of you know, but I'm going to ask her to come on up. Lee uh, McGee, will you come up? Uh, I want, yeah. I want you to hear from Lee. Um, and Lee, just kind of tell us uh, about your last year and a half or so in life, and then I'm going to ask you another question. Okay. I'm Lee, single mom to a very sweet little eight-year-old boy. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I started the craziest year of my teaching career, teaching in a pandemic. Um, my son's father was phasing his way out of uh, Dax's life. And I was full of stress and extreme anxiety and panic attacks. And um, I spent a lot of time with the Lord um, in the mornings, even when I was too exhausted to get up and I did not want to do my life. I did not want to go to work, which was very uncommon for me. Um, I didn't even, I wasn't even coming to church and I was just too tired to be, to be really honest. And um, the Lord led me to take a big step of faith and walk away from my 14 year long teaching career, um, and to pursue my own business. And, um, and he's helped me along the way. It has not been easy. It's been a battle. Um, but he has definitely been by my side. Joshua one nine, be strong, be courageous. Do not be afraid. 
for the Lord your God is with you wherever you may go. And that has been kind of a theme verse for my life over the past seven years. Um, and um, I've been very, very blessed by the Lord and what he's done for me in the last year and a half. Good. Well, tell us a little bit about um, over these last, really the last several months, how God has shifted you and called you to step in the ring in a new way to do some ministry with some specific people. Yes. So back about seven, seven years ago, I was going through a divorce. And I was pretty strong. I was, I was fighting through it. And I had a lot of support from the church, uh, my friends and my family. And one night I just broke down. Straight up broke down. I was terrified. Um, I was scared that I was going to be alone for the rest of my life. And in that moment of lots of tears and heartache, uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, You are not alone. I am with you. Basically like a stern parents and stop it right now. I am here. I am with you. And again, that Joshua one nine, I am with you wherever you may go. Um, and from, from then on, I just, I, I had to grow in my faith because you can't hear from the Lord and just be like, no, I mean, you can, but that's not what I did. Um, and so throughout this time over the last year and a half, I have had the time and the energy and the space to be able to help single moms. And it came with a group of people um, that it was just the Lord's perfect timing that brought single moms into my life. And this is just something that's been on my heart. And with stepping away from my job for a little while, it has allowed me to start some things like Sunday school. We had a single mom's breakfast with 13 women there, got to love on them and just share that love with them from the Lord and, um, and from the church and help them to understand that they are not alone, that God is with them. That's good. And so next Sunday, uh, March 6th, we are going to launch a single mom's Sunday school class and someone is going to be leading that. And so we're excited uh, about how God's going to use that and uh, thrilled first. So if you know some single moms and ultimately our, our goal is to expand that to all single parents. Um, but what a great ministry and a great opportunity how God has used uh, your life and the joys and the pains uh, in life to bring you to this point. And so I want to celebrate what God's doing through Lee's life, but also in the life of our church that she uh, has been given this vision and a lot of other people in this room uh, and other places have helped her. She didn't tell you that she has a little Facebook group that has over 500 people uh, all over uh, the U.S. Uh, of single moms that she's able to connect with and encourage. And so uh, let's celebrate Lee once again and thank God for how you're doing. Thanks, Lee. Appreciate it. Well, those are the exciting things as, I, as we think about what does it mean to fight the good fight, uh, to, to go and to meet the needs of people, to encourage one another, to love on them, to, to bring them along in their faith. And, and uh, every Sunday, uh, this section uh, over here is usually filled, and so none of the rest of us ever sit there. Like, even when we have special events and the students are out, like, there's a giant void here. Uh, but I want to tell you a little about something that happens at 9.30 with this group, how they're fighting the good fight. Uh, across the street at 9.30, uh, every Sunday morning, our students meet uh, for Sunday school. Matt and Haley do kind of a master-teacher format, and they break into connect groups uh, around tables. And we have some adults who help them uh, and lead those tables. But about once a month, or uh, if that adult doesn't have perfect attendance, uh, every Sunday, which they should, but they don't. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, 
then the student leader gets to help. We have a number of student leaders who are mostly seniors this year uh, who help lead uh, their peers in Bible study, in application to life, uh, to pray for their friends, their classmates, and those things. And, and as you and I think about reading Timothy, uh, I think about our students and, and how they are modeling what Paul is doing for Timothy. That as Matt and Haley pour into them, that many of them are pouring into one another, how they are fighting the good fight. And though they're not perfect, uh, I know because I live with two of you, uh, I know you're not perfect and I know the rest of you fairly well. Uh, but but I, I think about how even though in our imperfection, in our, in our great moments and our horrible moments, that God still loves us and I have something to offer. I, I have something to share. I, I have a way in which I can invest in somebody else. That's what it means to be in the good fight, the good fight of faith, taking hold of eternity. And so student leaders, uh, thank you for serving your fellow students uh, in leading them and encouraging them and challenging them. As you saw this morning, we baptized two folks, Zachary and Felicity. I'm excited for them and thrilled for how God's going to use them continually. Uh, Kyle was baptized at 930. And over the next three weeks, uh, today and the next three weeks, we have a baptism every Sunday uh, for the next three weeks and probably beyond. That's great. It's wonderful. I'm I'm excited about that. I I want us to celebrate those things because that's what it means to take hold uh, of eternal life. And so as as we think so often about our lives and we get wrapped up in things that really don't matter, we get focused uh, on the stuff that really is temporary. And, And Paul, as he's writing to this young man in ministry, take hold of eternal life. Take hold of those things that matter for eternity. That's what I want our church to be about. And and as I think about that, I I want to remind you, because it's good for me to be reminded, I I think about our vision to prepare and send disciple-making missionaries that we would follow that model of Paul and Timothy, that we would make disciples and and send them out so we can strengthen our families so that our families would be stronger, whether that's a a single-parent family or the traditional nuclear family with 2.1 kids. You know, whatever it is, that we would strengthen families, that we would love our neighbors well. And I want to tell you about a way in which one of our church members loved their neighbors well. Um, After missional pathway, they went through that, the personal uh, experience of missional pathway, the first two, they... They came to me and said, Pastor, we, we want to really love on our neighbors. And, and we think it's in our best interest to host a block party, like a neighborhood block party. Uh, okay, do, do you need my help? No? Good answer. Uh, no, I don't need your help. And so our church member, the husband, knocked on every door on his street and the adjacent street. He knocked on every door picked a date, invited everybody to this block party. They had a food truck. They had games. Uh, they said, invite your extended family, everybody who came. They had over 50 people come to this block party. Just encourage one another. So there was no, no, no spiritual component. Just let's love on our neighbors. Let's get to know each other. Let's share life with each other. Let's experience that. What, what, what an amazing thing. What, what, what an awesome thing. 
And he happens to attend the first service and he came up to me afterwards and said, hey, there's a phase two to that, by the way. We're going to talk about it. It's like, okay, let's talk. Because he's so excited about what does it mean to reach my neighbors because the ultimate goal is to transform our community with the gospel. That's the goal. The goal is to, to be a great neighbor, but to ultimately transform our community with the gospel. And so to love on each other well, to build each other up, that's why we do things like Sunday school. So that we can build into one another. So we can build up the body of Christ so that we can then be sent out to make a difference in the world. And I want to share with you about the generosity of this church. At the end of this passage, verses 17, 18, and 19, I'm going to skip a little bit ahead, Greg, but we're just going to show the numbers here. But at that last passage, we... We see where Paul says, hey, oh, by the way, Timothy, uh, tell all your rich friends to use their wealth for good, to use it for good. And don't just be a person who uses their wealth for good, but may they do good work also. Don't just write the check, do something good. And I want to thank you as a church family for being a generous people since 1956. Uh, I've shared this before, but in 1956, when this church was started, 20 people, 20 families committed $1,000 each to make sure the church would not go under. $1,000 each. In 1956, that's a lot of money. And, And that generous spirit has continued throughout the history of our church, they raised $500,000 to build the gym in the 1970s. At the same time, they were planting Heritage Park Baptist Church. Those two things were happening simultaneously. Raising $500,000 and planting a church in Webster, unincorporated Harris County. And over the last few years, you have been extremely generous. Uh, Back in 2020, in February of 2020, Uh, You committed uh, and gave, uh, you committed to a a number of $3.2 million, and and then the next month, the world shut down. But but I want to tell you how amazing it is, that even with the world shutting down and us sort of putting a pause on the campaign, uh, over the last two years, we've raised $2.6 million without saying a thing about it. that's, That's a big deal. And then, in three weeks, Greg, you can show it. In three weeks, uh, we've committed to $750,000. So in four years, our little church will have raised three, nearly $3.4 million. That, that's unbelievable. That, that's amazing that, that we could raise $3.4 million in four years. And, oh, by the way, still give nearly $2 million to make sure the budget goes. So... Just think about the dollars that that is and the generosity. of you. I, I want to thank you for, for being a people of faith and generosity and, and not losing sight of, of what God can do if we all jump in together with a singular vision and a singular purpose. Because Jesus is the one who gets all the glory for what we accomplish. Not, not us. We don't get to pat ourselves on the back. It's not really us. No, Jesus is the one who gets the honor and the glory for all that we accomplish. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. Let me remind you, yes, oh man of God, oh woman of God, oh person that is in the good fight. Remember, 
You're not fighting that good fight so at the end of the day you can get the belt and do the Aaron Rodgers. No, that's not, that's not the goal. The goal is for you at the end of the day to give honor and glory to Jesus Christ. To give honor and glory for Jesus Christ that we have a ministry at Westwood and Bales where a couple of weeks ago we saw a young lady get baptized, an elementary student, because she's a part of that after-school program where some of you volunteer and we go to support that. Where we have our weekday preschool here on our campus that loves on and cares for families of preschoolers and gives them from a very early age the truth that Jesus loves them. How this week I got in the mail at the church here for one of our church members who sponsors a child in Haiti. The Laugh All Night event they were doing uh, at the end of March. One of the children that we sponsored through that sent a note to his sponsor that he had gotten his shoebox. How excited was the photo of him holding his shoebox. What, what, a, what a way to take hold of eternity. To give blessing and love to a child that we will, may never meet. I'm thankful that because of your generosity, we're able to sponsor athletic teams and bands. And if you drive by Clearbrook, you can see a First Baptist Friendswood student ministry. If you go to a Friendswood baseball game this year, you'll see a baseball with First Baptist Friendswood on it. If your kids are in youth, Friendswood youth baseball, there'll be a banner out there that talks about our VBS and our Connect Camp. Those don't happen without your generosity and the vision to say, hey, would you be willing to step into this moment with us? What a great blessing to be able to do those kinds of things. That we partner with an organization called World Hope that trains pastors all over the world in places where education is not available to them. And so we support them so they can send professors in to help train them so the church can advance in primarily third world countries and the gospel can go forward. There's a lot to be celebrated. And I think as I shared last week, we don't know most of what happens. And so to celebrate some of that on a day like today is amazing. There's a church in Louisiana that I didn't know this at the time, but I know the pastor. He and I served together on a team back in the early 90s that went around and did sports camps for kids. He's the pastor there, and when the hurricane came through a year, and a, a year ago, their church was destroyed. And we shared it with you at, at Thanksgivers, and our church gave over $10,000 to them. A, a, sort of a drop in the bucket for what they need. But $10,000 when I mentioned it like three times. Like it's crazy. And now their church is meeting in their sanctuary. They've gotten a new roof on their building. They're able to do ministry. What a blessing it is to celebrate fighting the good fight. And so my challenge to us today is we think about being a person of God. Being a person who fights the good fight. Being a person who takes hold of eternity. Being a person who's holy and righteous and loving and gentle and gracious. I want to remind all of us what Paul reminded Timothy to share with all of his wealthy friends. May we not keep God's blessings to ourselves. 
May we not keep the blessing of God to ourselves. May we share the blessing of God wherever we go. With our time, with our skill set and our gifting, with our resources, whatever we do, may we be people who share goodness and grace. May we be generous people in every sense of that word. So that why? So that our heavenly father may get the glory and we may store up treasure in heaven. That we may celebrate one day all the time because we'll get to see the goodness of God that has taken place through our lives and through the history of this place we call First Baptist. And so I want to encourage you, church family, keep fighting the good fight. Let's celebrate our Savior today. Will you pray with me?